Welcome, everyone, to an emergency pod edition of the TKW podcast. Um, I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm joined by Kyle Maggio. What's up, folks? Exciting day, sort of. Yeah, that's at, Ma- at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. We have Brian Giberman. If you hear um, loud trucks and planes, my, my job is in a very good place. But I'm talking to you two again, so this is a terrible day for me. <laughs> well, you can go follow him at Brian Giverman on Twitter. He'll just yell at you like he does us on the podcast. Um, so, you guys, all of a sudden, about a half an hour ago, you know, I'm sitting around, I'm drinking my coffee, I'm listening to my Levitard show, just really kind of getting into my day. And I get a notification that you want to do an emergency podcast with me. It's and, not very often that we're going to get chances this season. Well, I feel like because... I had been reading about the Davis rumors throughout the morning, and it kind of just struck me as something that wasn't very serious at first. It was something that kind of struck me as, like, I don't really think the Knicks have a chance in this in this whole scenario. And then I guess some of the, uh, the noise started picking up that there might actually be, you know, a chance for the Knicks to at least be in on the conversation here. Obviously, the Lakers are the front runner. Uh, it's pretty famous now that Boston can't get involved because of the whole Kyrie Irving contract deal. Uh, but now we're sitting here and we are uh, going to talk to you all for 20 to 30 minutes about what potential trades the Knicks could make, uh, whether or not they should do it at all, whether we think they might do it, uh, and whether this is all ludicrous or not. So how this started this morning was sort of abruptly. Um, Woj tweeted out that there was going to be a uh, trade request from Anthony Davis in his camp. And then a couple of hours later, um, after tweeting that news out, he he went on, I think it was ESPN, and, and said, uh, on a radio show, I believe, and he said, um, you know, the Knicks figured to be very aggressive here. Um, and he even alluded to, he didn't say that the Knicks were interested in or planning to, but he said the Knicks should, uh, more or less, I'm paraphrasing here, offer Kristaps Porzingis uh, in that deal for Anthony Davis if, if uh, push came to shove. And then I think some people kind of glossed over it, you know, not entirely because it is Woj, but I think when people really started taking it seriously and kind of going nuts with it was because Brian Windhorst then reported uh, almost 20 or 30 minutes later that um, the, the Knicks figured to be very active um, with trying to get in on this, uh, trying to center a deal around the, 2019 first round pick, which as we all know and joke around with could uh, mean Zion Williamson out of Duke. So I think that's when everybody started to go a little bit nuts. It was like the combination of two really well-known national guys uh, kind of breaking down two different angles of why the Knicks, you know, should and could be interested in uh, making a move. So let's start. There's two pieces here. And you, you just hit on them. It's the pick, and it's KP. We're all cracking jokes on Lakers fans because of how their pieces have been devalued this year and their young player package isn't really that great. 
I wouldn't say the Knicks guys have been devalued, but something along the lines of a trade involving just like Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, and Frank Nilkina. Why can't I say that anymore? I've always said it right, and now I can't anymore. I'm getting annoyed. God. I'm just going to jump in and save you from now on when that happens. I'm just going to say, just say Frank, and then as soon as you say Frank, I'll say Neil Aquino. You got it. You you did it. You you did it there. No, no, no. He doesn't need a crutch. He's got this. But I don't know. I've been saying it right for two years, and all of a sudden now I can't say it anymore. It's the strangest fucking thing in the world. Jesus. But so, yeah, those three things, as much as I love all three players, that's a laughable trade offer for KD, for for Anthony Davis. And go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, do we want to just dive right into what we think, what the Knicks, like, potentially have to offer here? Like, I think the big question that's been surrounding, you know, everyone talking about the Knicks this morning or kind of what what has started to sink in on people is that it's it's like what you're saying is that the Knicks don't really have a shot at acquiring Anthony Davis unless they include one of Chris Sops Porzingis or the upcoming pick in this draft, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I was having a couple of... Wait, 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 wait. Did I just hear a both? Yeah, I think you need to give up both if you're going to get Wow, okay. Every single, every single team in the league is going to put their offers together for him. Woj updated his story and talked about how contenders are willing to give up stuff to make a one-year, to make a run at him this year, and then if he wasn't going to stay, it would flip him for assets at, during the offseason. If they wait to trade him, you're the Nick for the Knicks perspective. The best thing that could happen is it happens now because that pick is unknown. And then you take you only have like that 14 percent chance or whatever it would be of that unprotected pick. And it's such a small chance they get Zion. But if the Pelicans valued that, that would be the best thing. I think I think it would take both. I don't think you would get it with one or the other. Here's what I want to ask you guys, because this is a debate that I was having on Twitter with it was very respectful debates uh, today on it, which was nice. And um, for me, it's about the starting point. Like, what's the starting point? And I think at that point, you have to decide what you're comfortable starting with. Like, I wouldn't want to start with like KP and the pick and then whatever we got, you know, you'd have to do for salary or whatnot. Or if they need another young piece or something, you can figure it out from there. But like my starting spot in negotiations would be like, look, I'm perfectly comfortable giving you the 2019 pick, whether it's right this second, or, you know, we confirm it's a top three pick in the, in the summertime. Um, so I'm good with giving you the 19 pick unprotected. You do what you got to do with it. Just take it. Uh, Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson. I think like you have to start there and be like, is that okay? How much more would you want? Um, would, would we need to throw in a guy like, you know, Frank, would we need to throw in, you know, a, like another, young asset. Do you want another pick? And I would try to work that angle until you couldn't because, and this is what I wanted your guys thoughts on. I brought it up in Slack and then I want to hear your guys starting point and counter. I I'm not big on wanting to give up KP, not because I don't think it's fair value for the deal, but because then I feel like we're back in 2011 kind of with mellow where we're, we're going to gut it a little bit, you know, got a big piece of what we hope to have going forward to then start out Anthony Davis with a bunch of dudes basically uh, a couple of kids and i think we're back at square one with you know a star and not much else just kind of hoping people come here so i'm curious as to your thoughts on where you'd want to start and like how much you'd actually be comfortable giving up given the situation that if you move kp you're kind of looking at a bit of a barren wasteland 
I, I agree with your starting point. Um, I would disagree that it would be the same as the Mellow deal because there's a couple key significant factors that are different. One, Davis is m- a much better player than Mellow. For sure. And two, they would have kept the cap space situation. I don't know how the cap space stuff would be impacted by acquiring Davis because he's more, he's mo- making more next year than that Porzingis cap hold. But you would have an avenue to free up money easier than the Knicks did right in the aftermath of the mellow thing when they mishandled the Billups Chandler stuff for the amnesty. And now I do, I do, I do just want to interject one quick thing and then let you continue. The reason I brought up the mellow situation was because they were strapped in to a worse player making a lot of guaranteed money in Amari at that point too. And I feel like if you mortgage everything except for KP and then you have KP and brow and little else. I think that's okay. I think that's a fine starting spot. Cause I think Porzingis is a better player or fe- or figures to be uh, very shortly assuming full health, a player than Amari uh, was going in. We knew he had a lot, a lot of miles and a lot of health concerns. So I think tying up your money to a KP max situation and just giving up on everybody else and giving that to new Orleans is a little bit better than being stuck with mellow and a risky cap situation. Anthony, you go ahead. I was just yeah. about to finish that. Bye. No, if you, um, I, I'm kind of curious too, because we're talking about the, the contract situation again. If you were to, if the Knicks were to say they're going to go all in here and they decide that, you know, the price of Chris stops plus the potential of landing the number one pick this year is worth, having Anthony Davis under contract for, you know, two plus seasons, however more money he's going to be making all that. Um, my, my thought is that can you get new Orleans to take back some of your bad salary as well? Like if you're going to be giving them Christoph Porzingis, you know, a potential all-star player, potential all NBA player in the future, plus a pick that could be slated for, you know, they could. It, it's a pick that is nearly guaranteed to get you a, an at least a rotation player and potentially a franchise-altering talent again. Um, at that point, can you get them to take like Tim Hardaway Jr. back with them, and no. so the Knicks can clear off that contract off their books, and that way you have more salary cap space available and you don't have that concern as much. N- not a chance in hell. No. I think the thing is, well, they we need to do something to make the money work to begin with. Because if you just trade Chris Epps in the pick, that's not enough. The, it likely seems to be Cantor back. to me. Right. Yeah. So, so, so it'd probably be Cantor who has the long, you know, largest expiring. That makes the most sense. So if you if you were going to trade KP in the pick, I, I think again that's that's fair value in the present to give. I'm still just hesitant because even with those other proposed deals, I'm not sure the Knicks need to go there just yet you know like the other deals are Jalen Brown and a bunch of weird young Celtics pieces and possibly you know and then a, a first round pick and then the Lakers is is they've just now decided they they're, they're gonna include Kyle Kuzma to go along with Brandon Ingram and uh, Lonzo Ball and what other miscellaneous other pieces to make the money work I think KCP was in there as well and, and a you know a not as good uh, first round pick as the Knicks could offer so 
the way I'm looking at it is the only deals on the table are like mediocre-ish, okay-ish, sort of upside-y kind of young guys, but nobody who's really a slam dunk. So I think jumping right to uh, one of the better chances at Zion or a top three pick and KP is kind of a bit extreme. And I think, again, I I don't want to like overvalue our young guys either because everybody does that. And I don't want to be those fans, those analysts on that note. But at the same time, I, I don't think that, I think we could probably put together a, a fair offer centered around the draft pick and then a stable of young guys to kind of compete with those. Maybe not be better than, but at least compete with without having to jump right to giving up KP. I, I just don't think those offers that are getting floated around is what is realistically going to get him. It's, it's coming from like local team guys. Like that's what those teams want to offer. It's well, what not do you... what the Pelicans are going to ask for. Like if it's the Celtics and they do the deal this summer, they're getting, the Pelicans are getting Tatum. The Lakers, I mean, if I was the Pelicans, I would laugh in the Lakers' face no matter what they offered. There's just not something there. I, I, the, so, And then there's going to be all these teams like the Raptors with Kawhi that come in and off throw DeMar DeRozan, our current all-star, into, and that's how they end up out of nowhere that no one thought was going to happen. And we're going to see stuff like this. I mean, it's Anthony freaking Davis is going to be all sorts. Of, I mean, there's going to be every single team in the league is going to be putting their best offer forward to try and get him for a year and a half or a full year and then convince him to try and stay. See, I just don't think that like a Tatum is is in the same realm as a, a Porzingis. Like KP, we know at his best last year for a few months before he went down was averaging, you know, 23 to 25 points per game. Pretty efficient. Um you know, he could obviously shoot from outside, protect the rim. He's a four and a five. I just don't know that without overvaluing KP, I just don't know that there's a player being rumored who has that like singular level of talent. I think there's like packages where maybe a Celtics package headlined by Tatum is more valuable, but I don't know that there's a single better player than, you know, that the Pelicans can get. That's That's been reported or rumored. You know, I see hypothetical things. Like I saw someone tweet, Oh, what if Portland decides to go in on uh, on Anthony Davis and they trade, you know, C.J. McCollum, Nurkic, and a first-round pick? And then I thought, I think New Orleans would probably want to do that. You get a dynamic scoring guard that you need in today's NBA to go next to Drew Holiday. Um, you get a center who can, you know, he can play. Nurkic is a good, good, valuable player. And then you still get a first-round pick. So I think if, like, those kinds of deals start popping up and you want to throw your, you know, hat in the ring I think then it's okay but like while the Tatums and Ingrams are still being involved I just don't and I don't want to sound like a homer but I just don't want to start putting KP in just yet I think we're probably going to start seeing names like that package you just brought up maybe Philly throws Ben Simmons in there I think this that would be an interesting one I could be wrong but I think this is going to get very crazy and very high level types of players from do you guys all across the league do you guys think it's going to happen before the trade deadline? Or do you think that this is just giving us a sense of what New Orleans is going to want for the summertime when they could better reevaluate things with Boston, perhaps, and a couple other teams as we get closer to the draft? I have a feeling that it ends up going more towards the draft. I think that you're going, unless you have a situation where a contender is going to come out, like Brian's saying, to try to get, you know, maybe you know, be able to rent him for this year or flip him again at, later on down the line or something along the lines of that. You know, I don't, I don't see the prospect pick package 
quite aligning with what they're looking for up until the draft comes around and more teams are willing to give a little bit more. Kyle, I think it depends on how they view Tatum. We, I view Tatum like you do. I think he's a very good prospect. I don't necessarily think he's elite. I think he has to do, yeah, I don't think he's proven it. I don't think the way people talk about him is as good as he's shown yet. He's a very good player. We don't know. There, there's some question marks still there about just how good. But the, basically, you really can't get him because they can't do that trade without trading Kyrie right now. So if they, if they value Tatum like a true superstar, we probably see this go to the offseason. If they don't, maybe something happens a little quicker. See, I, I think unless it's like a gross overpayment, like the Knicks come out of nowhere and go, we'll give you Chris Apps for Zingas. I think this is part of the dance to set up for the summer because I think that New Orleans is going to have their most leverage when they know that Boston can negotiate a little bit more freely with all the assets that they have there. So I think this is all part of the dance, like the setup, because we're only, what, 11 days out from the trade deadline. This is kind of breaking really late or right before the trade deadline. So I think this is like to get a sense of, like you were saying, you know, all those reports that are out might not be the actual packages. That's just what all the teams want you to know. So I think this is maybe sort of trying to call out any of those bluffs, be like, okay, motherfuckers, like he's on the market now, whole year and a half in advance. Like what now, what is the situation? What are we going to do here? What are you going to offer? You know, trade deadlines coming up. What do you got? What do you got? See if anybody bites. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why it's going to go to the summer. You're waiting to see who jumps now. If someone jumps now and makes that huge offer immediately, you take it. But yeah, you have every timing was just so curious. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I do have one other thing. Maybe we can end out on this, but like if KP, if they do offer KP and that leaks, like people have been talking about, I think Bondi had something about that earlier today. Um, how damaging do you think hearing his name come out in the trade rumor like that would be, you know, for his relationship with the franchise? I mean, you had that thing that happened with Phil Jackson at the end of his tenure there where Chris Sops was, lightly tossed around as a potential, you know, trade target for certain teams. And that obviously led to a lot of frustration from him. You had the skipped exit interview, all that stuff. If something like that were to happen now with this front office, do you think uh, that could potentially be an issue when it came to his uh, free agency this summer? Uh, I think so. I, I don't know how Brian feels. I think he'd kind of be done. Uh, I think he might still do what makes the most sense for him as an individual, even if that means signing, you know, a max deal here, even though he's not entirely happy. But I think in terms of making this relationship as um, mutually beneficial and as enjoyable as both parties probably want for it to be, I think if that gets out and he knows that he's being shopped, I think uh, for all intents and purposes, that's going to sour the relationship. I mean, he just started to get on the same page with this new regime, like within the last 12 months, like he's only been a pro for what, three years. This is his fourth year and he's injured. And you know, the the last regime basically before he tore his ACL, which is already horrific. You know, like you said, he's walking out of exit interviews. There's drama. Phil Jackson wants to trade him. Uh, when he's 21 years old for the sake of rebuilding. I just think if they start tossing him out again after the summer saying, Oh no, 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 we want him here. We want him to be a valuable part of the future. Uh, I think that's twice in two different off seasons in, in four years where he has to deal with that kind of thing. I don't think he's going to enjoy that at all. Uh, I thought that was a very smart point that Bondi made. 
Um, I agree with it, but I think in the end he would just take the money anyway because it's too risky to play on the qualifying offer. He might do a thing where he takes it, demands trade himself in a little bit, but it would it wouldn't be great. But I think you could again salvage the relationship by making the team good. So I, it's something if it comes down to it, I do think you have to do it because it's a KP ceiling. Is KP ceiling as good as Anthony Davis is? I mean, probably probably not. I, I I feel like it's close. I feel like people are making it out to be, you know, and, and he is right now. Like far, Brad was far and away the better player, but they can both kinds of do shades of the same thing. So I don't ever want to say that a young guy can't have that same kind of a ceiling either. The, the rebounding would be the big difference between the two. Right. I well, uh, I think that's pretty much going to about do it for the emergency pod with us. Uh, anything, any last chime in you guys wanted to get off before we uh, dive back into the depths of Twitter here? L- last thing, uh, just, just names. Give me what is like your maximum starting offer like no bullshit no trying to skimp off the top you had to give new orleans an offer right the second they're on the phone what would you start the negotiations at what would you feel comfortable with um i I mean um i would go Cantor, neil keenan knox robinson this year's pick i don't give a shit just but i'm putting it all on the table except for kp right now so my question is, I want to ask a question. Would you rather trade Knox or the pick? If you went, they could have KP mm. and you get one of Knox or the pick. Which one? I trade Knox. This is this is going to be super unpopular, and I know I'm going to get yelled at on Twitter and by anybody who's listening to this who has their heart set on Zion. Um, I would trade the pick. I think it's very smart use of the value of that pick, given the lottery rules changing. I think. You have a 14% chance at the top pick, no matter how bad you finish. And you have a 50 to 60% chance of finishing at the five or six seed. Um, I just, to me, um, it would be smart to maximize the value of that pick. And if you miss out on Zion, you miss out on Zion. It's not like you're getting a player to scoff at or a player who you're hoping pans out. Like it's Anthony Davis. He's very well established. Um, I'd be fine trading the pick and living with it. I, I think I yeah, like what I see from that. My my thing is that if I'm getting equal value either way, like if I'm getting Davis either way, I'm probably moving on from Knox rather than that pick. I just feel like once you oh, if sure. you if you can like lower. you're gonna obviously sign more free agents this summer then, and you're gonna be able to get guys who kind of align a little bit more with what you're thinking, and then you draft a player who fits more into the mold of that. I mean, like you're gonna have a high pick in the end regardless. You're gonna have you know. I guess also it comes into it then how how heavily does Davis influence where the Knicks pick will end up falling for the rest of the season? Because if, My, you, if, if you're getting like 30 games of Anthony Davis, you're not getting you know, you're you're probably not going to have the same top five pick anymore. So once we got past the hodgepodge of Knicks young players not being KP and New Orleans laughing at us, I would then shift to. KP and you get your choice of Knox or the Knox and one of the other pieces, whichever one yeah, you want. I think that's fair. That, that's kind of how I would operate. I'd be like, you can have the pick, you can have Knox, you can have Frank, you can have 
Mitch, you can take whichever you get one of those things. I, I Plus think Cantor, I obviously, for money. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I'm just talking about the stuff that matters. I think the one guy, uh, if I was putting KP in, that I would try to hold out of the trade if I had to pick one would be Mitch because of his contract situation and you having him at the four years for literally nothing. Yeah, I, I think I'd be more – I think Knox is a shoe win if you were going to make this deal um, almost any way you cut it. If you trade KP, you might still need Knox. If you don't, you know, trade KP, Knox is, you know, not maybe the headliner, but he's like the next up if he's going with the pick. So I think Knox would be almost certainly gone in any feasible deal for Anthony Davis. So I agree with that. Um, I think I, pretty I, much. I just I'm always partial to trying to hang on to this to the score. And I know that Mitch has shown flashes of being an elite uh, defending big. But I, I when you get a wing scorer like that, I'm always going to be partial to him. Seems like pretty Mitch, much. We're... What's up, Ryan? Just one thing. I, I'm with you. I think Knox has more upside, but I just that the contract situation. It's it's not about the player. It's more about the contract. The value, Mitch yeah. at like less for like four years and four million dollars is crazy. Like that literally could end up being the best contract in the NBA. So I, I mean, I was just gonna say it seems like every from what we're talking about, a lot of where the Knicks like. A lot of what the Knicks have in their in their system right now, they're all within the same tier of like value, and it's kind of more on New Orleans to choose, you know, which one they think is going to be a better fit with them long term, whoever they would want to you know, grab. But I mean, I think what we basically come to here is like, it's not the Knicks aren't going to have to give up everybody to get Anthony Davis, but it's gonna be a pretty substantial hit to whatever core they've started to develop so far. It's going to hurt, and you're going to lose guys that we've all grown attached to. Like, fans have finally grown to want to do the rebuild the right way and to not trade picks and not trade assets. And any way you cut it, you're going to lose some of the most important pieces that you figured to be uh, important building blocks for the next couple of years. Like, if a KP's not gone, you can kiss nearly all of the kids goodbye as well as this year's pick. And then if KP's gone, you're sort of grasping at straws, hoping that whatever kids you, you do have, really pain uh pan out so it's it's a tough situation and i know fans don't want to trade these things because you have shades of the mellow trade or uh past nick's terrible moves like the bargani thing where uh we we didn't get the concept of a salary dump so i i understand the fears to it but um i i think you gotta you know stars win in this league and it's not like you're trading for a 32 year old star past his prime like he's just kind of entering his prime so it's it, it would hurt like a bitch, and I wouldn't blame people for feeling like shit. But uh, all this is to say, there's no chance in hell the Knicks land Anthony Davis. You have to be malleable as a front office. It's dumb to have hard and fast rules, and Anthony Davis is a reason to change up your approach. Guys like this don't become available very often. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Yep. All right, well, that's going to do it for this emergency edition of the TKW podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platform of your choosing. They all help us out. Uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to our channel. Uh, follow the next wall on Twitter. Follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, follow TKW podcast and uh, head to the nextwall.com. We got you covered. Uh, till next time, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Thank you.